Chapter 100 Precautionary Measures, Part 1 May 13th, 1992 Argus Filch's face appeared twisted in the light of the oil lamp he held, shadows dancing over his face. Behind them, the doors of Hogwarts quickly receded, and the dark grounds moved closer. The track they now walked was muddy and indistinct. The trees, branches formerly bare with winter, were not yet fully clad with spring. Their branches stretched up toward the sky like lean fingers, skeletons visible amid the thin foliage. The moon was bright, but clouds scudding across it often threw them into darkness, lit only by the dim flames of Filch's lamp. Draco kept a firm grip on his wand. Where are you taking us? said Tracy Davis. She'd been caught, along with Draco, by Filch, on their way to an attempted meeting of the Silvery Slytherins after curfew hours, and likewise given a detention. You just follow me said Argus Filch. Draco was feeling rather annoyed with the whole affair. The Silvery Slytherins ought to be recognized school business. There was no reason why a secret conspiracy shouldn't have permission to meet after curfew if it was for the greater good of Hogwarts. If this happened one more time, he'd talk to Daphne Greengrass, and Daphne would talk to her father and then Filch would learn the wisdom of looking the other way where Malfoys were concerned. The lights of Hogwarts Castle had diminished in the distance when Filch spoke again. I bet you'll think twice about breaking a school rule again, won't you, eh? Filch turned his head, away from the lamp, so that he could leer at the four students following him. Oh, yes. Hard work and pain are the best teachers, if you ask me. It's just a pity they let the old punishments die out. Hang you by your wrists from the ceiling for a few days. I've got the chains still in me office. Keep them well oiled in case they're ever needed. Hey! Tracy said, a touch of indignation entering her voice. I'm too young to hear about that. That sort of, you know, especially if the chains are well oiled. Draco wasn't paying attention. Filch simply wasn't in Amicus Caro's league. Behind them, one of the two older Slytherins following them snickered, though she didn't say anything. Beside her was the other, a tall boy with a Slavic cast to his face and who still spoke with an accent. They'd been caught for some unrelated offence, having to do with the type of thing Tracy went on about and looked to be in their third or fourth year. Pfeh, said the taller boy, in Darmstrang, they hung you upside down by your toes. By one toe, if you're insolent. 
Hogwarts was soft, even in the old days. Argus Filch was silent for around half a minute, as though trying to think of a proper rejoiner, and then gave a chuckle. <laughs> we'll see what you say about that when you learn what you'll be doing tonight. <laughs> I said I'm too young for that sort of thing, said Tracy Davis. It has to wait until I'm older. Ahead of them was a cottage with lighted windows, though the proportions seemed wrong. Filch whistled, a high, sharp sound, and a dog began barking. From the cottage stepped forth a figure, making the trees seem too short around it. The figure was followed by a dog that seemed like a puppy by comparison, until you looked at it apart from the taller silhouette and realized the dog was huge, more like a wolf. Draco's eyes narrowed before he caught himself. As a silvery Slytherin, he wasn't supposed to be prejudiced against any sentient being, especially not where other people might see him. "'What's this?' said the figure in the loud, gruff voice of the half-giant. His umbrella lit up with a white glow, brighter than Filch's dim lamp. In his other hand, he held a crossbow. A quiver of short bolts was strapped to his upper arm. Students serving detention, Filch said loudly. There to help you search the forest for whatever's been eating them. The forest, gasped Tracy. We can't go in there at night. That's right, said Filch, turning from Hagrid to glare at them. It's into the forest you're going, and I'm much mistaken if you'll all come out in one piece. <laughs> but, said Tracy, there's werewolves I've heard and vampires, and everyone knows what happens when there's a girl and a werewolf and a vampire all at the same time. The huge half-giant was frowning. Argus, I had in mind you and maybe a few servants here. There's not much point in bringing along help if I'm to watch over them the whole time. Argus's face lit with cruel satisfaction. That's their lookout, isn't it? Should have thought of them werewolves before they got in trouble, shouldn't they? Send them out alone. I shouldn't be too friendly to them, Hagrid. They're here to be punished after all. The half-giant gave a massive sigh. It sounded like a normal man having all the air driven out of his lungs by a bludgeoning hex. You've done your bet. I'll take over from here. I'll be back at dawn, said Filch. For what's left of them. <laughs> he added nastily, 
and he turned and started back toward the castle, his lamp bobbing away in the darkness. Right then, said Hagrid. Now, listen carefully, cause it's dangerous what we're gonna do tonight, and I don't want no one taking risks. Follow me over here a moment. He led them to the very edge of the forest. Holding his lamp up high, he pointed down a narrow, winding earth track that disappeared into the thick black trees. A light breeze blew over Draco's head as he looked into the forest. There's summit in there has been eaten unicorns, the huge man said. Draco nodded. He distantly remembered hearing something along those lines a couple of weeks ago, toward the end of April. Did you call us to track a trail of silvery blood to a wounded unicorn? Tracy said excitedly. No, said Draco, though he managed to stop the reflexive sneer. Filch gave us the detention note at lunch today. At noon. Mr. Hagrid wouldn't wait that long to find a wounded unicorn. And if we were looking for something like that, we'd look in the day when it's bright. So... Draco held up a finger like he'd seen Inspector Leon do in plays. I infer that we're looking for something that only comes out at night. Oi, said the half-giant, sounding thoughtful. You're not what I expected, Draco Malfoy. Not what I expected at all. And you'd be Tracy Davis, then. I've heard of you. One of poor Miss Granger's lot. Rubius Hagrid looked over at the two older Slytherins, peering at them in the light of his glowing umbrella. And who'd you be again? Don't remember seeing much of you, boy. Cornelia Walt, said the witch. And this is Yuri Yuli, indicating the Slavic-looking boy who had spoken of Durmstrang. His family is visiting from the Ukrainian lands, so he's in Hogwarts just for the year. The older boy nodded, a faintly contemptuous cast on his face. This is Fang, Hagrid said, indicating the dog. The five of them set off into the woods. What could be killing unicorns? Draco said after they'd walked for a few minutes. Draco knew a bit about dark creatures, but he couldn't remember anything that was said to prey on unicorns. What sort of creature does that? Does anyone know? Werewolves, said Tracy. Miss Davis, Draco said, and when she looked at him, he silently pointed a finger up at the moon. It was waxing gibbous, but not yet full. Oh, right, said Tracy. Nowhere's in the forest, said Hagrid. 
They're plain wizards most of the time, remember? Couldn't be wolves either. They're not fast enough to catch a unicorn. Powerful magical creatures unicorns are. I never knew one to be hurt before. Draco listened to this, thinking about the puzzle almost despite himself. Then what is fast enough to catch a unicorn? Wouldn't have been a matter of speed, Hagrid said, giving Draco an indecipherable glance. There's no end to the ways that creatures hunt. Poison, darkness, traps. Imps as can't be seen or heard or remembered, even while they're eating your face. Always somewhat new and wonderful to learn. A cloud passed over the moon, casting the forest into shadow, lit only by the glow of Hagrid's umbrella. Myself, Hagrid continued, I think we might have a Parisian hydra on our hands. They're no threat to a wizard. You've just got to keep holding them off long enough and there's no way you can lose. I mean, Literally, no way you can lose so long as you keep fighting. Your trouble is, against a Parisian hydra, most creatures give up long before. It takes a while to cut down all the heads, you see. Bah, said the foreign boy. In Darmstrang, we want to fight Buckholz Hydra. Unimaginably more tedious to fight. I mean, literally, cannot imagine. First years not believe us when we tell them winning is possible. Instructor must give second order, iterate, until they comprehend. They walked for nearly half an hour, deeper and deeper into the forest, until the path became almost impossible to follow because the trees were so thick. Then Draco saw it. Thick splashes on the roots of trees, gleaming a brighter colour beneath the moonlight. Is that... Unicorn's blood, Hagrid said. The huge man's voice was sad. In a clearing ahead, visible through the tangled branches of a great oak, they saw the fallen creature, splayed beautiful and sad upon the ground, the dirt around her shining moon silver with pooled blood. The unicorn was not white, but pale blue, or appearing so beneath the moon and night sky. Her slender legs stuck out at odd angles obviously broken, and her mane spread across the dark leaves, green-black but with a sheen like pearls. On her flank was a small white shape like a starburst, a centre surrounded by eight straight rays. Half her side had been ripped away, the edges ragged like the marks of teeth, bones and inner organs exposed. 
A strange choking sensation rose in Draco's throat. That's her, Hagrid said, his sad whisper as loud as a normal man's voice. Just where I found her this morning, dead as a doorknob. She is, was, the first unicorn I ever met in these woods. I called her Alicorn. Not that it matters to you any more, I suppose. You named a unicorn Alicorn? said the older girl. Her voice was a bit dry. But she doesn't have wings, Tracy said. An alicorn's a unicorn's horn, Hagrid said, now louder. Don't know where you're all started thinking it meant a unicorn with wings. There's no such thing I ever heard. It's just like naming a dog Fang, indicating the huge wolf-like dog that barely came to his knees. What you would have called her, Anna, or some such? I gave her a name as would have meant something to her. Common courtesy, I call it. Nobody said anything to this, and after a further moment, the huge man gave a sharp nod. We'll start our search from here, the last place it struck. We're gonna split into two parties and follow the trail in different directions. You two, Waltz and Yuli, you go that way and take Fang. There's nothing that lives in the forest to lure ya if you're with Fang. Send up green sparks if you find something interesting, and send up red sparks if anyone gets in trouble. Davis, Malfoy, with me. The forest was black and silent. Rubius Hagrid had dimmed the light of his umbrella after they'd set out, so that Draco and Tracy had to steer themselves by the light of the moon, not without occasional trips and falls. They walked past a mossy tree stump, the sound of running water speaking of a stream somewhere close by. Now and then a ray of moonlight through the branches above lit a spot of silver-blue blood on the fallen leaves. They were following the trail of blood toward where the creature must have first struck the unicorn. There are rumors about you, Hagrid said in a low voice after they'd walked for a while. Well, they're all true, Tracy said. All of them. Not you, Hagrid said. Did you really testify under Veritor Serum that you tried to help Miss Granger? Uh, three times it was. Draco weighed his words for a while and finally said, Yes. It wouldn't have done to appear too eager to claim credit. The huge man shook his head his great feet still stomping silently through the woods. 
I'm surprised, to be honest. And you too, Davis, trying to put the halls in order. Are you sure the sign hat put you in the right place? There's not a single witch or wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. So it's always been said. That's not true, Tracy said. What about Xiaonantong, the Black Raven, Spencer of the Hill, and Mr. Cavon? Oh, said Hagrid. Just some of the best dark wizards from the last two centuries, Tracy said. They're probably the best from Hogwarts who weren't from Slytherin. Her voice fell, uh, lost its enthusiasm. Miss Granger always told me I should read up on anything I... Anyway, Draco said quickly, that's not really relevant, Mr. Hagrid. Even if... Draco worked it around in his head, trying to translate the difference between probability of Slytherin given Dark and probability of Dark given Slytherin into non-scientific language. Even if most Dark Wizards are from Slytherin, very few Slytherins are Dark Wizards. There aren't all that many Dark Wizards, so not all Slytherins can be one. Or, as Father had said, while any Malfoy should certainly know much of the secret lore, the more costly rituals were better left to useful fools like Amicus Caro. So, you're saying, Hagrid said, that most dark wizards are Slytherins, but... But most Slytherins are not dark wizards, Draco said. He had a weary feeling they'd be at this a while. But, like fighting a hydra, the important thing was to not give up. I never thought of it that way, the huge man said, sounding awestruck. But... Well, if you're not all a house of snakes, then why- Get behind that tree! 